Thank you for tuning into sermons from Liberty Baptist Church in Newport Beach, California. Our goal is to help you know God more and take the next step in your spiritual journey, no matter where you're at. If you have questions about God or about Liberty, you can connect with us at libertybaptistchurch.org. We pray that the Lord will use this message to be a help and encouragement in your life. Back in the early 1900s, there was a man by the name of Steve Jobs. Many people in this room, you all have heard the name Steve Jobs before. Many of you have a product that he has created, either in your pocket, on your wrist, maybe you're looking at it right now with your Bible on it. He was the founder of Apple. And uh, Apple started out in the late 1900s, and they created a computer called the Apple One. And no one really wanted anything to do with the Apple One, so they brought along the Apple Two, and it all of a sudden became one of the consumer computers that everybody wanted to buy. So there were developers that bought it, there were people that bought it, everybody wanted something to do with the Apple II. Well, as years passed on, the Apple II began to die. And uh, they, Steve Jobs came up with a brilliant idea that really started his foundation for Apple, and he created something called the Macintosh, the Macintosh computer. But when it came out, nobody bought it. They were projecting a million dollars in sales that year. They didn't even come close. It was too expensive. Nobody wanted anything to do with it. So Steve Jobs actually ended up getting fired from his own company. He was the founder of Apple. He got laid off by Apple, and he decides he's going to try his best to get back into Apple by creating a business of his own called Next. He was going to build the next greatest and biggest computer, the best thing that had ever come out, and he was prepared to sell it to everyone at a cheaper price, whatever he could do to sell it. So he gets on stage for his, his big unveiling of the next computer, saying it's going to be the best thing ever created. And he pulls the curtain off of this computer that he had set off to the side, and it was a beautiful box. He, he wanted it to look like a perfect cube, so he made 89-degree angles all the way around so that to the eye, it would look like it was a perfect cube. Here's the problem, though. It had nothing inside of it to run on. It was just a beautiful box. There was no operating system for it. It has had a bunch of components in it, but if you powered it on, nothing happened. It was empty. All that was there was a beautiful looking box, but inside there was absolutely nothing. It's sad to say that many times in Christian life, we look beautiful on the outside. We look like we have it all put together. But on the inside, nothing. Powerless. And Jesus here in this passage we're about to read starts pointing out this in the Pharisees. And he begins to point out their flaws. He begins to point out that inside you have absolutely nothing. On the outside you're beautiful. You, you have the robes. You have everything, Pharisees. But on the inside, he tells them here in a second, here's the whitewashed sepulcher. And tonight I want to give us some caution. I don't want to be a Pharisee. I don't want to have these traits that I'm going to talk about here in a second. I don't want these in my life. As a leader here at Liberty Baptist Church, I work in the children's ministry. I don't want to be a Pharisee for these kids. I don't want to be up here speaking tonight as a whitewashed sepulcher. I want God to use me in amazing ways. So let's look in Matthew chapter number 23. We'll start in verse number one. It says this. Then spake Jesus to the multitude and to his disciples, saying, The scribes and the Pharisees sit at Moses' seat. All therefore whatsoever they bid you observe, that observe and do. 
But do not ye after their works, for they say and do not. For they bind heavy burdens and grievous to be borne, and lay them on men's shoulders, but they themselves will not move them with one finger. We're going to look tonight at seven different characteristics that I think that each and every one of us should be working on in our lives to stay away from this pharisaical lifestyle that honestly is so easy for us to have. We want people to like us. We want people to love us. We want them. We, we, we crave applause. We crave acceptance. And if we're not careful, that can lead each and every one of us to living a life that is fake. So the first thing that I see here today in verse number one through four is, is that of hypocrisy. They don't practice what they preach. They would go out on the street corners, they would have these laws, and they would have the Torah, and they would tell everybody what they needed to do, how they needed to live, the things that, that they should do for a living, the things that they couldn't do on the Sabbath, the things they could do on the Sabbath. And they would have these long lists of rules that they would ask everybody else to keep, but they themselves, Jesus says right here, wouldn't even do it themselves. In our homes, in my home, the children's ministry over there, when I teach, do I practice what I preach? Am I one thing in front of everybody and something completely different? Do I ask my children not to do something? And do I do something completely different? Do we do what we say we will do? An example of this is Jesus. We all believe, we all say he is the only way to heaven. And anyone that does not accept Jesus will go to hell. That's a truth that we all believe. We say that, but do our actions show that? Do my actions show that? That Jesus, the, the creator of all the world, is the only hope for this world. And I say we should go tell other people about Jesus. People need to know his name. If they don't know his name, then they will die and live forever in a terrible place called hell. Do my actions back up what I preach? Is there a consistency? between what we say and how we live. These Pharisees didn't have that. They didn't have that consistency. They would put these heavy burdens on people that they themselves were, were not willing to bear. So we have hypocrisy. The second one I see, verse number five. But all their works they do for to be seen of men. They make broad their phylacteries and enlarge the borders of their garments and love the uppermost rooms at feasts and the chief seats in the synagogues and greetings in the markets, and to be called of men, Rabbi, Rabbi. The second one thing I see here these Pharisees really had messed up is, were they content? What I say with that is, were they content with the approval of God? These, these, these Pharisees, they would go out on street corners, they would pray aloud for everyone to see, they would make sure that everybody saw what they gave when they gave their tithes and their offerings, when they gave all of that. They wanted everybody to see, they, they broadened their phylacteries, these garments that they had, they made sure everybody could see what they looked like. Why? They wanted the praise of men. They wanted to be called rabbi, rabbi. They wanted to be called teacher, teacher, master, master. They were not content with the approval of God. They were just seeking the approval of men. And to be honest with you, it's so easy to do that. It's so easy for, for me to want everybody to, to see what I do, to like what I do, to like me as a person, to, and to, to approve of everything that I do. 
but the ultimate approval of my life that I should be seeking, I should be content in the approval from God. We should seek the approval of God and not care at all about the approval of men because once we seek the applause of men, we want more and more and more and eventually that leads to less and less and less of the approval of God. The next thing I see in verse number eight, but be not ye called rabbi, for one is your master, even Christ, and all ye are brethren. And call no man your father upon the earth, for one is your father which is in heaven. Neither be ye called master, for one is your master, even Christ. See, they had their authority messed up. They had their authority messed up. Do not as a leader in your home, as a leader maybe in a kid's class, or as a leader in a ministry here, we should not use our authority over the authority of God. We're going to see here in a little bit, these Pharisees would go and they would proselytize and draw people unto them to make them copies of them so that they would, so that they would follow after them and all their standards and convictions would come from them. They wouldn't turn people to the word of God. Their authority was messed up. They wanted people to call them master. People to call them Lord. People to call them rabbi. They wanted all these things, but Jesus looks at them and says, there's only one master, and that is Christ. He points out a flaw in them once again. You have your authority messed up. We are not to draw people to ourselves. We are to point them to God. C.S. Lewis said, if anyone would like to acquire humility, I can, I think, tell him the first step. The first step is to realize that one is proud. If you think you are not conceited, it means you are very conceited indeed. These people, they, these Pharisees, they thought they wanted, pe they wanted to draw people on them to feed their pride. As Pash talked today about being humble, being a humble servant, that is the opposite of what these Pharisees were. They were not humble servants. They, they thought it was all about them, and they would push their own agendas, their own traditions, their Torah, this long list of rules that nobody could keep. They would push it on other people saying, you believe this, follow after this. They wouldn't point them to God. As believers, as leaders in homes, and as, as leaders here in different areas of our ministries, we should be pointing people to God. I don't want the, children in, the children's ministry to become Pastor Caleb. Pastor Thompson, thankfully, doesn't want everyone in here to be Pastor Thompson. God has created each and every one of us differently. And our authority uh, us pushing our thoughts and authority on other people is not where it should come from. It should come from God himself. And this word right here, because if we, if you try to copy what I do or Pastor Thompson does or what any other leader does, it's ultimately going to lead to hypocrisy. But if you come to God's word and you point them to God and what God says, that is what we all should be doing. Because this is where the authority is. Not in me. It's not in another pastor. It's here. And I'm thankful that we serve underneath a pastor here that believes that and that he lives that and that that is what he preaches each and every week. It's not about follow me, it's about follow him. And that's the exact opposite of what these Pharisees were doing. Verse number 11 says this, But he that is greatest among you shall be your servant, and whosoever shall exalt himself shall be abased, and he that shall humble himself shall be exalted. This comes right after he talks about the Pharisees bringing themselves to the level of master and rabbi. Our service 
See, our service here. These, these Pharisees had an ulterior motive to their service. They did their service so others would see them. They did their service so that other people would worship them, so that other people would follow after them. But that's not the Bible. The Bible says that's the exact opposite of the way we should be living our lives. We should be living not to be seen of men. We should be living not for applause. We should be serving so that others really don't see us. Now, don't get me wrong, as Pastor Tom said this morning, every once in a while, a pat on the back, it's, it's great, but that should not be why we serve. That shouldn't be our heart behind it. My goal, my, my job getting up and preaching on, on Sunday morning to the kids that were there, it shouldn't be for those kids to love me and for them to, to flock around me and say, Mr. Caleb, that was the best story ever. You're awesome. No, my, my job and my, my life should revolve around, is this pleasing to God? And Does God see what I am doing? Is what I am doing pleasing Him? But it's so easy. It's so easy to make our service all about us. Did pastor see what I did? Did my wife see what I did? Did my husband see what I did? But our service should be for him and not for any other men. We're going to jump into these next few verses here in just a second. And, and Jesus jumps in. These are called the seven woes. And he just begins to really tear into the Pharisees. I don't know how else to put it. He just begins to tear into them and pointing directly, preaching directly to them. And saying, here's where you're wrong. Here's where you're wrong. And here's where you're wrong. We're going to look at a couple of them right now. In verse number 13. But woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees and hypocrites. For ye shut up the kingdom of heaven against men. For ye neither go in yourselves. Let's pause there for just a moment. You shut up the kingdom of heaven against men. For ye neither go in yourselves. He's telling the Pharisees right here, you are hindering people from accepting the truth. You yourselves don't know the truth. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And you're hindering other people from coming unto me. Let's continue. Neither suffer ye them that are entering to go in. Verse number 14. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for ye devour widows' houses, and for repentance make long prayer. Therefore, ye, therefore ye, I apologize, therefore ye shall receive the greater damnation. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for ye compass sea and land to make one proselyte, and when he is made, ye make him twofold more than more the child of hell than yourselves. He just really begins to tear into them here. He basically says, everything you're teaching goes against what I'm telling you. I'm telling you I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. But your preaching, they keep these laws, they do these, they do these sacrifices, and that's how they will get to heaven someday. So he looks at them, and he says, you are hindering. Hindering is, that next, is the next one here. Hindering. They're hindering people from coming to Christ. They're hindering people from coming to a saving knowledge of Jesus because they are going out and teaching what they want to spread. They don't believe the truth themselves, so they're going out and they're telling other people to serve Jehovah, but it's not even in the name of Jehovah. It's in the name spread what they want. 
As it said in verse number 15, they go out and they make proselytes of themselves. They, go, they will cross the seas. They believe what they're doing is right. They believe that what they're doing is the way. They believe that what they're doing is the only way. That they will cross seas and they will make disciples of themselves, but in all reality, what they are doing is hindering other people from coming to a saving knowledge of Christ. And we see this today. We see people who will take one verse of Scripture or who will, or who will base their entire uh, theology or whatever you want to call it upon something that's not true and they'll deceive many others. It's very rampant in many third world countries where people will go in and they'll try to make money off these poor people saying that if you will give money to me or if you, if you just believe on Jesus in some way, shape, or form, you just give me all the money you can, you'll live your best life ever. Nothing will ever, will ever go wrong. You'll have water in your village again. And they begin to spread this prosperity gospel, so to say, to these people and say, hey, if you just do this and do that, and your life will be perfect. You'll never have any issues. And that is dangerous. And the Pharisees here, Jesus is calling them out on it. You're preaching a false gospel. And you are hindering people from coming to heaven by doing so. I can't imagine being the Pharisees at this point. Can you imagine? They're being pointed out by Jesus himself. He's going down the line saying, this is where you're wrong. Verse number uh, 16. Verse number 16. says, Woe unto you, ye blind guides. <laughs> he just called them blind guides. Which say, Whosoever shall swear by the temple, it is nothing. But whosoever shall swear by the gold of the temple, he is a debtor. Ye fools and blind, for whither is greater the gold or the temple that sanctifieth the gold? And whosoever shall swear by the altar, it is nothing. But whosoever sweareth by the gift that is upon it, he is guilty. Ye fools and blind, for whether is greater the gift or the altar that, sac that sanctifieth the gift? Whoso therefore shall swear by the altar, sweareth by it and by all things thereon. And whoso shall swear by the temple, sweareth by it, and by him that dwelleth therein. And he that shall swear by heaven, sweareth by the throne of God, and by him that sitteth thereon. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For ye pay tithe of mint and anise and cumin, and have omitted the weightier matters of the law, judgment, mercy, and faith. These ought ye to have done, and not to leave the other undone. Ye blind guides would strain at a gnat and swallow the camel. Jesus here points out to them that their priorities are all wrong. And I'll be very careful how I say this. These Pharisees would focus on the tiniest little details. They would focus on how much people were giving. They would focus on how great the gift was. They would focus on the gift and the altar and all kinds of different things you see there. They would focus on the wrong things. Whereas if they would have looked at their own life, they would see they had all kinds of problems. Their priorities were all mixed up. Their priorities were all over the place. They would look for these little tiny details in other people's life. Well, they didn't wear it this way. They didn't do this. They, they were listening to this. They said this, and, and they did that, and they didn't give as much as I thought they should, and they weren't doing this. They look at these tiny little things in other people's lives when their lives, Jesus points out here in just a minute, is a whitewashed sepulcher. He points it out to them. You focus on these little, tiny, and little details are important. Don't get me wrong there. But they say they strain at a gnat. They swallow a camel. 
They do not have their priorities straight. Do we justify sins according to our traditions? Or do we judge them by God's truth? It's so easy for us to get wrapped up in traditions. We should be going to this book right here to get our priorities straight. Are there things in our life that are sin, but since everyone does it, it seems okay? And this one hit me hard. Because everyone says it's okay, does that mean that we can do it? If God's word is against it, some examples, gossip, gluttony, small white lies, materialism, the abundance of more and more. It's prevalent everywhere around us. All of, there's so many things in God's word that we say, well, everybody else does it, so it's okay. That's kind of what the Pharisees were doing. They did what was convenient for them. And they would point out all the flaws in everyone else. We're very good at picking and choosing. So were these Pharisees. Next, verse number 25. Number 25, it says this. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you may clean the outside of the cup and of the platter, but within they are full of extortion and excess. Thou blind Pharisee, cleanse first that which is within the cup and platter, that the outside of them may, all, may be clean also. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For ye are like unto whited sepulchres, which indeed appear beautiful outward, but are within full of dead men's bones and of all uncleanness. Even so ye also outwardly appear righteous unto men, but within ye are full of hypocrisy and iniquity. Cleanliness. Are we focused on our outward or our, our on our inward? These, people, these Pharisees, they just wanted everybody to see how good they were. Going back to the hypocrisy, they wanted, every, they wanted to make a show for everyone. They wanted everyone to see that they were the best. They had the best clothes. They, they were spiritual by praying on the streets. They were the spiritual leaders of the day, so to say. And they wanted everybody to see how good they looked on the outside. But Jesus looks at them and says, you're dead. You are dead on the inside. It's sad to say that there have been times in my life where I worry too much about the outside. On the inside, I'm empty. I'm powerless. Because really that's what we are without God. We don't have him. We're empty. We're powerless. When we try to do things on our own strength, when I try to get up and preach a Sunday school class within my own strength, I'm powerless. When I try going out on a bus route and inviting people to church and, and I don't do it in God's strength, I'm powerless. A whited sepulcher, beautiful on the outside, completely empty on the inside. Let's make it our goal for that not to be us. To be filled with the Spirit of God. To stay away from these things. We'll read a couple more verses and we'll be done. Verse number 29. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, because ye build the tombs of the prophets and garnish the sepulchers of the righteous, and say, If we had been in the days of our fathers, we would not have been partakers with them in the blood of the prophets. Wherefore ye be witnesses unto yourself that ye are the children of them which killed the prophets. Fill ye up the measure of your fathers, ye serpents, ye generation of vipers. How can ye escape the damnation of hell? Wherefore, behold, I send unto you prophets 
and wise men and scribes, and some of them ye shall kill, and what's that word? Crucify. And some of them shall ye scourge in your synagogues and persecute them from your city. That upon you may come all the righteous blood shed upon the earth, from the blood of righteous Abel unto the blood of Zacharias, son of Barachias, whom ye slew between the temple and the altar. These Pharisees, they would go and they would find the graves of the prophets that were murdered before, that were martyred for their faith. And they would build these huge altars to them. They would build these statues. They would, they would make, their, make sure that everybody knew this is where a prophet died. And they would tell everyone, we would never have killed them. We never would have killed a prophet. We never would have killed anyone that came in the name of the Lord. And Jesus looks at them and says, that is exactly what you will do. And he didn't know that just a couple days, or Jesus knew, but they didn't know just a couple days from now, he'd be crucifying the Son of God on a cross. They say, we would never, never hurt anyone that came in the name of the Lord. We would never have done that. He just looks at them and says, you will do that. It's interesting that Jesus says here, he, point, he says two names of prophets. He says, or not prophets, but uh, people that were murdered in the Bible. He says Abel, and he says Zacharias. It's interesting because the very first person met, uh, killed in the Old Testament murdered was Abel. And the very last person in the Hebrew Bible was Zacharias. In 2 Chronicles, Zacharias is the very last person that is murdered uh, for, that is martyred for his faith. The very last murder that's mentioned in the Bible. So when he said this, he knew the Pharisees would know it means everybody in between. There's not one person that you wouldn't have killed because you're a hypocrite, because you, uh, you, you just want everyone to like you. You're not following after me. You're not following after my father. You're just following after your vain religion. It's so easy and it's so dangerous to use religion as a cover-up for spiritual deadness. That's exactly what these Pharisees were doing. They were using a cover-up of religion for their spiritual deadness inside. In, in days, these people themselves would murder Christ. I read this passage, and as I was reading it, my heart broke for a moment. As I was reading this, and I thought to myself, very easily could be me. This very easily, if I'm not careful, this could be me. I look at this passage, and I see these Pharisees, and I see all their faults, and these are human nature faults in me. And it's so easy for every single one of us to become pharisaical in the way we live. But may we work this week, this month, this year, for the rest of our lives to not become one of these people. He just lays it out here. He points out many flaws in their life. And each and every one of us should be working on these things. It also hit me that if I don't think that I'm better than anyone, as I should, I don't think I should be better than anyone. I don't think that way. And these Pharisees that were going to crucify Jesus, they're me. They can very easily be me. There's a hymn that goes this way. I, saw you, I see the crowds in Pilate's hall. I mark their wrathful mind. Their shouts of crucify appall the blasphemy between. And of that shouting multitude, I feel that I am one. And in that din of voices rude, I recognize my own. I see the scourges tear his back, I see the piercing crown, and of that crowd who smite and mock, I feel that I am one. Round yonder cross the throng I see, mocking and suffering, sufferers groan, yet still in my voice it seems to be as if I mocked alone. 
"'Twas I that shed the sacred blood. I nailed him to the tree. I crucified the Christ of God. I joined the mockery. The only reason that you and I are not in this crowd is the grace of God. Every single one of us be part of this crowd. Every single one of us, if it weren't for God's grace and it wasn't for his salvation upon each and every one of us, we would be just like them. And we would have shouted, crucify, crucify. He died for the sins of you and I. He died for us. Our sin taken upon himself. If it wasn't for the grace of God, I could very well have been them. We'll finish up the chapter and I'll close with one final thought. Verse number 37. O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou that killest the prophets and sonest them which are sent unto thee, how often would I have gathered thy children together, even as a hen gathereth her chickens under her wings, and ye would not. Behold, your house is left unto you desolate. For I say unto you, ye shall not see me henceforth, till ye shall say, Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Jesus makes it very clear here that the condemnation of sinners coming it's imminent it's coming your sin one day will be judged you will stand before an almighty god and give an account for the sins that you have done but praise the lord he didn't end it there he says the condemnation of sinners it's coming but the salvation of sinners it's possible come to him if you don't know him as your savior come to him so easy for every single one of us to become a Pharisee. And may we work on these things and not let them be a part of our lives. May we not be looked on as a hypocrite or a, or a woe unto you, scribes, Pharisees, sinners. May that not be said of us. I understand we're here on a Sunday night. You're back in church. That's amazing, but it's so easy for every single one of us to fall into one of these things. So tonight's just a little bit of caution for you. Stay away from these. Follow Jesus. If we stay in this book and we stay close to him, hypocrisy, being a Pharisee, will stay very far away from us. Thank you for listening to Messages from Liberty. Tune in next week for more Bible teaching or subscribe on iTunes to stay up to date with our current series.